This is HPR episode 1982 entitled, What's in my virtual bag, and is part of the series, What's in my toolkit. It is hosted by Nacho Jordi, and is about 29 minutes long. The summary is, the usual programs I use every day in my system. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hi everyone, this is Nacho Jordi, one more time broadcasting for Hacker Public Radio. This is my second installment, I'm, I can't believe I made it here, I'm very happy. And I'm happily, I'm, this time I'm recording than in better technical conditions than the, the previous time, with a mixer and an SM58 and uh, all that jazz. So let's. I'm going to cover uh, an issue that is a classic for for hacker public radio beginners. It seems it's mm, describing my system. What's in my bag? In in this in this case, it's my virtual bag because the real one uh, is always a bit embarrassing for me. I think there's something in my family of the diogenes syndrome and we tend to ac- accumulate too much stuff and looking at my at my bags uh, in the in the open for uh, for public can be a bit embarrassing in computers maybe it, the thing is maybe it's the same thing but as it is more hidden it's like you can get away with it better i guess so what's in my virtual bag um well, there's there's a couple of unpopular choices there, I guess, but it it only comes to prove the the power of of Linux, the the plurality of of choices you get in Linux. To begin with, my my operative system, my distro of choice is Puppy Linux. Mm, I I have a few. As I commented in my previous podcast, I have a few scattered experiences with other distros. But first, because of need, because my former computer was so humble and so little, I settled in Puppy. And then as I upgraded my, my gear, I, I stuck to, to Puppy. I, I tried other things. I had an experience with Lubuntu, for example, because I had a, a problem with an audio program. And I thought Lubuntu, someone told me in a forum that Lubuntu could be the solution. But I, I, I didn't like the experience. I, it was a bit uh, Windows-like to me. I mean, uh, I, 
if I wanted my computer when when I power off to give me a message saying waiting for updates are being downloaded and stuff and and the computer switching off when it wants to I, if I wanted that I would have stayed in Windows XP or, or 7 I'd like my my computer to obey me so from the point of view of user experience I, I didn't like Lubuntu besides the fact that you have to log in as root and I, I've grow used to the this peculiarity of Puppet Linux that a lot of people don't like or feel afraid. It's that it runs as, as root by default. I really like it and when I try other distros I find a continuous drag and very annoying to have to continually sudo to do anything I want to do. Maybe maybe I'm not too conscious of security risks and I need something terrible for me to happen but I I've I have this idea I don't know if it's true or not but I feel like I'm a very too small fish in the pond and nothing can happen to me and and also the, the Puppy Linux community it very often assure that there's no there isn't any problem with running as as root in Puppy due to due to the way it works honestly i've tried to get my head around that documentation and i have never been able but i, I trust my community it's one of the best forums in in the world that i've tried very friendly very helpful people so i i guess there's a bit of convenience in my in my trust toward them because I, I'm really settled in my ways with Puppy Linux. Everything is at one or two clicks of, of, of distance and, uh, I haven't ever found anything that comes close to usability in, in 29 seconds. I'm, I'm browsing the web. So, so well, uh, I'm, I'm not saying Puppet Linux is for everyone, but certainly I, I like the, uh, a lot of people when, when I tell them I use Puppet Linux, they, they feel like it's very Spartan, no, like, oh, Puppet Linux, you use that. But uh, to me, it's, it's the contrary. Other, other, I find other distros bloated with too much stuff, too much graphics. I, I, I want to get to the point when I want to do something. And, and Puppet Linux lets me do that. It's infinitely, infinitely, customizable and uh, well maybe you it, it, it looks the, it has a horrible look and feel as as you as you download it because it, it the Puppy Linux community I, I, I have a feel that they don't have a lot of graphic designers but if if you don't care about that that stuff uh, it's a distro that really helps you get things done, at least in my case, for, for my needs. I don't know for other people. For document management and and uh, recording stuff with Audacity or Door, that kind of things, which are my main activities, it's absolutely great. The thing that it's it's so small that it it can run easily in 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 RAM and it, it makes it super fast and 
you can configure a a cache a cache space if you want but for most of needs you, you don't need to so this is a, a few these are a few of the features of, of Puppy Linux maybe maybe I, I'm talking too much about this maybe it's a good material for a for a new podcast so I'll, I'll move on and speak uh, the other the omnipresent window manager in my case after trying most of them maybe all of them because it's it's always funny to try window managers and file managers too. I settled uh, for good uh, a few years ago with Rat Poison. It's a tiled window manager. Again, it's not for everybody, but their their sale sale the sales proposition, so to so to speak, really convinced me. the The thing that all that, all that maximizing windows and Moving windows around is not productive. It's not you're not creating value when you're doing that. And if if you you add how many hours in your life takes that, it amounts to to a lot of of time at the end of the year. With a tiling man manager, I also try DWM Dynamic Window Manager first. Uh, and I, I think, in, in fact, Dynamic Window Manager uh, also allows, being a tiling manager, window manager also allows you to drag windows and maximize on the, the other style. But I, I, again, I found in Rat Poison everything I need. The, it's customizable to, to incredible extremes and in a very easy way. It's just a, a text, text file you modify. The syntax is a bit tricky until you get it, uh, but you always have handy the the link to to the to the official website where every all the commands are explained. And uh, a long time I, I've customized it to get the the things I like from another window managers. For example, I, I, I by pressing function key and then space, I get a mosaic. It's it's an add-on that you can get from the community. I call it mosaic. I don't I don't know if that's the exact term. It's but it seems it's like what in iOS is called ex expose or expose. It, it it divides the screen equally, showing all all the programs you have active. And also, I have two modes with it. I configured one one it it just shows all the windows in the in the screen and. Then you navigate to the one you want, and other gives you uh, each window comes with a key that you can press to 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 move to that to that window. Also, I another add-on that you can use after some time of being full. After some time of of using the the usual window navigation I added a program bar at the bottom uh, in the style of more traditional window managers it's it's also a great addition because in, in that in that regard it's always great to have in 
inside what, what's the everything that you have open in the computer. Otherwise, sometimes you can open a program twice and that kind of, of stuff. Uh, what else? Uh, also, another configuration I've done is using the BIM navigation keys. I've got used to them and I use them whenever I can. I think they, in, a, in an ideal world, they should become a standard for all the programs because it's a, it's a way to, a very efficient way of moving along um, from typing stuff to moving a cursor in the, in the screen without taking your fingers away from the from the screen by the way rat poison uh, i guess everybody knows but it, it's called like that because it's intends to be anti anti mouse it uh, even the documentation is written in an ironic way against uh, mice which is all well and good except for for one thing that some programs are not keyboard friendly are are more mouse friendly and uh, yeah, Red Person sometimes uh, gives problems with with programs complex and with a lot of windows like like GIMP. But also another thing, great thing Red Person allows is that you can leave it and move to a different window manager, and then come back as if nothing happened. So it allows a, lo a lot of, of flexibility. So rat poison, my my configuration of rat poison, I, I could write books about about it because it's a uh, it's very you you always have this. What if and you can try it in in minutes uh, this idea uh, to navigate through my files. If it doesn't work, it's okay. You it didn't uh, it didn't take you long. Okay, and uh, moving on, another staple of my system would be Vim, the text editor that everybody in the Linux community mostly know and it's Nemesis uh, Emacs. I never I never felt too too attached to Vim in that rivality. I, I chose Vim just uh, by chance. I, I was looking for an advanced text editor and uh, and said, hey, I'm going to try Vim first. Maybe if I had said, hey, I'm going to try Emacs first, I, I would be using Emacs now. I mean, I, I, don't, I, mean, I haven't still tried Emacs. It seems it's a bit difficult to configure and to set up, and I don't have that kind of time right now. But, well, again, to me it's a proof that the amount of possibilities and the, of people and stuff that you have in the Linux community. So I use Vim and I use it uh, mostly for everything. When you when I open my computer, the first thing I that pops out is a Vim a Vim screen with the Vimex extension. I, I use Vim as a file manager. Vimex stands for Vim Explorer, and uh, most of the time you get you can do everything you want with Vimex. When I when I have to do something graphical, on the on the contrary, I, I use Rocks Filer, which is the file manager that comes with Puppy Linux. And also I, I use Vim for as an outliner with another extension that is called TVO, the Vim Outliner. 
and uh, I, I go I've, I've got so used to using the Vim outliner that in fact whenever I open a I create a text file I do it with a .otl extension which is an outline extension and it's it's the extension the Vim outliner uses when you open a .otl file Vim starts applying the rules of the outliner to the text file and you can it gives a different color to the lines depending on, on their tabbing. You can fold and unfold. There's an option also called haste in which you can go to a sub branch of a file and edit it separately. In, in my computer it stopped working for some reason but I don't know why. At some point broke but I use it for a long time. So that's how much I'm happy with my Vim outliner and Vim in general you can do most of, of of everything there you can split the screen you can get tabs it's it's endless what you can do with Vim another essential piece of equipment for any computer user in the 21st century is the, the web browser in my case it's also an unpopular choice Simonkey I, I don't know, Simonkey, I've never known exactly the story. What's the story with Simonkey? I know it's have an, some kind of indirect relation with Firefox. It's both are created by Mozilla. And it, in my in my view, Simonkey gets a bit of a bad rap and it's some people mock at, at it and a lot of people don't like it or find it too unconventional. In my case, again, I started using it by chance because it shipped with Puppy Linux. And all the time I get it very customized. What I, what I like about it mostly are a couple of things. One of them is that you can take the all the menus and options garbage out of your site very not not very easily you have to do a lot of tweaking when you install the the browser but the final result is that you get uh, menus reduced to two lines of text on top that's to me it's a selling point because the rest of the screen is content you don't you don't need that kind of visual noise that's visual noise when you have to have all the stuff all the time in front of your face in addition to what you are trying to investigate. And another another thing very peculiar and very friendly for me of the Simonkey interface is that it only has one 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 text field to both for writing URLs or or terms you want to search in a search engine. My the way I see it is that computers are made to automate things for us otherwise what's the point of using them so I, I don't get it why most of web browser have two uh, field two text fields for that uh, occupying the double of screen real estate one when you want to type a URL and other when you want to write search terms even to make things more absurd in Firefox I think you can configure it so the the 
text field where you write URLs can also accept search terms, but you cannot remove the other the search term fields, so it's it becomes useless and stupid, and you don't get that kind of of garbage filling your your computer screen with with Simonkey. Simonkey gets out of the way and then leaves me alone with my content. And uh, to me, that's a selling point. Maybe the only way I I, I could abandon Simonkey is if I I could make work some of the web browsers that work with Bing Key Navigations. Again, I, I love Bing Key Navigations. I think they should be a, in, a, in a perfect world. They should be a standard for navigating in computers with the keyboard because it's a very efficient way of of changing between, between typing text and moving a cursor around. And speaking of BIM, uh, another uh, recent addition to my system, it was kind of accidental. So one day I discovered that I had it installed in the computer. I don't know if it shipped with my puppy Linux version or just uh, I installed it somehow when I was doing something else in, in those times when I didn't document things. So I found that I have a GBIM installed. GBIM, is, uh, GBIM stands for Graphic BIM, and it's simply a BIM version that doesn't run in a terminal but in a graphic environment. I, I've been using it in the in the first moments. I I thought it was like a redundancy, that something that I didn't need and I kind of didn't like because using a graphic environment is like less geek than using a terminal. But I've, I've been using it more and more because my BIM regular version sometimes does funny stuff with copy and paste. When you when you want to copy, for example, some text you grabbed from a website and you want to put it in a text document in BIM, it's one of those annoying situations that sometimes works and sometimes don't. And I, f I find that kind of inconsistency the, the worst of the options. I prefer it not to work. To, I prefer it to not work all, all of the time. Then you know what to, what to expect. But this kind of thing that sometimes work and sometimes don't, it's like they drive you crazy. So with GBIM, GBIM allows better mouse and copy-paste options and also the, the graphical interface it's easier to configure when you want to change colors and fonts so I think I'll, I'll probably be progressively moving to GBIM because another thing great that I love of GBIM and that makes it very easy the transition is that both BIM and GBIM share the same BIMRC configuration file, so any change you make in your configuration applies to both programs. And also G in GBIM, with, without any hassle, I found I have the outliner and the, the file explorer and everything. So I, I think I'll, I'll be moving more and more to just GBIM instead of BIM. And, uh, well, another piece of equipment that is very essential and we all have hours of choice of course is a terminal emulator 
the one I used from a, a long time ago is Sak Sak Sakura or Sakura. To be fair, I also use RxVT, which is I find it a bit limited, but I use it for certain certain activities only because it's graphically different. Because that's the main hurdle I found when when I was cho choosing choosing a terminal emulator. And first of all, I have to say that I went on terminal tourism, terminal shopping, let's say, a short time ago, and I got a bit surprised by the lack of options. There were plenty, of course, but considering that that it's a kind of program that is original from the Unix time in the 70s. I thought there would be like millions and millions and millions. And there were only thousands and thousands and thousands. So also, well, this my choice was limited to what I was able to install or even to what I was able to, to, what I was able to understand the documentation sometimes, which I not always I'm not always proficient at that stuff. So anyway, I tried a few of them and settled in Sakura because it's almost perfect. And the perfection for me is that it allows tabs browsing. Uh, you can configure a font. You get the transparency, a percentage uh, you want. You can also set a background for a terminal, a background image you prefer. But in my view, it lacks something that it would be essential for me, and I haven't, to be fair, I haven't either found in in the other terminal emulators. Um, I'd like to configure the easily the background color of the of the terminal I'm using, and do it separately for any instance I run of the terminal emulator. Why? Because this was this would allow. Um, it would make very easy to differentiate in which file you are working on. You could you could say like, okay, the red one I'll use the use it for the the original file, and the blue one I'll use it for the copy. And that way, it's impossible to make a mistake. Uh, you I sometimes when I have a lot of text file text files open, it's easy to make a mistake and edit something that you didn't intend and well, this this thing in Sakura cannot be done. The ideal way to do it would be uh, doing it through through terminal. That you could it would be great if you could open a Sakura terminal with a, a command dash color blue or dash color orange, and, and then you get the terminal in the color you want. Sakura doesn't have that possibility to change the the background color. You can do it, but you have to do it. Um, with a, once once Sakura is open, you do right, right click and you ch change the color and it doesn't affect the terminal immediately. But you have to close Sakura and then open it again, which makes it makes it very difficult for this purpose. I intended of having the colors showing which file you are working on. So one. A project I've been toying with around was creating some kind of wrapper command to do to do this. 
but I, I, I still don't know how to do it, eh, to be honest, because you have to work on the, have to modify the Sakura configuration file, which is a bit um, difficult to read for me, too much hexadecimal stuff, and, and it, it makes me a bit nervous tweaking around the, the Sakura configuration file. It's not, it's not, I think it's a program that it's, it's thought, it's conceived to be, to be modified graphically, to be very friendly for the, for the end user that is using a mouse and clicking around. But I don't, I don't think it would tolerate well this kind of modification. I don't know if it can be done. But anyway, it's a, it's a small alliance in, uh, in a terminal emulator that is very powerful and uh, you see it um, everywhere. Also, this thing about the colors uh, presents problems with Vim's color schemes. There are like weird interactions and some files look a bit too colorful for my taste. But well, it's a uh, minimum. It doesn't. It's, it isn't a disruption of your workflow. It's, it's just something. Uh, I think I'll get at some point. Uh, my learning curve will be able to do that. So great. So that's it. That's in in brief. What's my my basics in my virtual box? I hope you enjoyed this podcast and thank you very much for listening and have a great day. Bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.